This is your Startup Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Brad Feld. Hi, I'm Ian Hathaway. I'm Chris Hively and your host. Your Startup Community Podcast is for any startup community enthusiast hoping to grow your local ecosystem. This podcast has something for every ecosystem actor, whether you're an economic development leader, serial entrepreneur, a co-working coordinator, an angel investor, a corporate executive, or a university researcher. Basically, everyone who cares about your community and the startups within. If we do our job right, there should be something tangible for you to take away and apply to your journey as soon as tomorrow. In this episode of Your Startup Community, we're going to explore the topic of networks with regards to an entrepreneurial ecosystem. Now, you might be thinking of the task of individual networking, and obviously we all understand the benefits of that, but this is not about what connections mean to you per se. What we're going to talk about today is the role that a network mindset has on the formation and growth of your ecosystem. It turns out that many older or less developed startup communities organize and operate with more of a hierarchical structure. So today we're going to explain about the two structures and the benefits of one over the other. As always, Ian Hathaway and I will set up the topic and then we'll be followed by two guests. We'll talk about the power of startup community networks. We will finish up with Brad, who will weigh in on what he has heard from us all fix things we broke, augment things he heard, and generally provide us some more context of how you and your peers can adopt a network mindset that ultimately will help accelerate your startup community. Let's get started. Artie, and we just teed up kind of what we call, what you, what you and Brad call in the book, network over hierarchy. And these are words that you and I used every day for the last four or five years. Um, what I maybe would think of talking about is, tell me about hierarchical structures. Why is there a history of hierarchical structure and kind of why that structure has been predominant in our in business and in other elements today? Yeah, so highly controlled forms um, based on hierarchical management are really sort of a relic of the industrial era. The theories and practices of Frederick Winslow Taylor and Henry Ford uh, made a lot of sense for the factory floor, um, where those were predictable, repeatable forms of production, um, where tighter control and more specialized work environment actually increased productivity and produced better outputs. Um, But since then, of course, the economy has undergone a massive transformation um, where standardized procedures um, are being replaced uh, by you know, information and knowledge and creativity. So that, that form of organization has become less useful, right? The, the answers are less clear. Um, collaboration is more valuable, especially collaboration from people with diverse backgrounds and perspectives and views. So as this, as what has become important and valuable to production has changed, so has the need for our organizational form. Now, of course, you know, this form of organization, these horizontal networks uh, will feel more familiar to people working in innovation, in entrepreneurship, and especially in fields that are built around networks, right? So uh, many of the entrepreneurs who are engaging in startup communities and building startup communities. This is sort of second, you know, this is sort of information that's always at the front of your mind, right? You're you're used to working in these environments. That being said, many of the organizations that are have begun to engage in entrepreneurial ecosystems 
um, are not organized in this form. In fact, they're organized around those hierarchical structures uh, from the past, you know, governments, corporations, universities, and so on. And that's one of the main friction points um, in collaboration um, in startup communities is sort of the collision between these two different uh, ways of doing work, really. So, Ian, we got so much to unpack here. Let me kind of see if I can do a pretty good host job and do this in pieces. Um, you talked about uh, why networks are better to support access to information, access to people, access to money, access to space. These are all the things that we talk about in terms of a startup community, right? And what founders need. And we've talked about in previous episodes about active leaders. And one of the things you can do is help create less friction approaches to access to people, money, space, all these kinds of things. Why is that important to a founder? And, and why is a hierarchical structure not as good as a more network structure to a founder? So hierarchical forms start with the assumption that the answer is already known, <clears throat> that the procedures for achieving that successful outcome are well-defined and so therefore the approach is to impose control, standardize procedures and so on to get to that outcome in a repeatable way. Of course, that reflects basically nothing of what <laughs> innovation <laughs> looks like today, what building startups and startup communities look like. And so under that form, that kills off innovation. In fact, we want more variation. We want more diversity, right? Um, we need collisions, right? We need, Absolutely. we don't know where that answer, where that little pocket nugget of gold is going to come from, right? Yeah. And so, and so I view innovation in this sense and, and similar to building startup communities where, where the, where the answers are, you know, less clear, the pathway is unknown. It's a, it's a loop of infinite combinations and infinite possibilities. And so what we want to do is we just, we want to make, create lots of opportunities for the right outcome to take shape. We're talking about hierarchical structures that create friction and, and, and barriers to access to the things, the gold that ultimately these founders need. In regards to this control and this more hierarchical approach, which I'm seeing in really older, more mature, smaller areas, what is the patriarch problem and how does that interconnect with network versus hierarchy? So in many communities um, that haven't had, you know, entrepreneurial success, don't have founder-led communities, there are gatekeepers, right? And they impose significant control over access to resources in startup communities. Are they? Right? Is, it, is it intended that way? Are they nefarious, bad people? Um, some of them are. But that's, I don't believe that that's the assumption I would start with. It's just that they believe that they have the answers. Um, they maybe what was successful for them in getting there, right? Oftentimes, um, the people who, who are in these positions of influence uh, gain that influence through businesses that were built in, you know, resource-based industries, industrial industries, and so on. And, they, and so they're applying that framework. Um, which was which helped them build businesses or the businesses they inherited, right? Um, and it just isn't applicable. Uh, it's called the patriarch problem. That's actually from Brad's original startup communities book, because oftentimes they are are men. Um, but really, I think it's the, uh, the 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 broader perspective on what patriarchy means 
which is it's it's about fealty, right? You get ahead um, by paying homage to those individuals rather than for what you're actually capable of doing. And, and that creates a lot of dysfunction uh, throughout the startup community. So I'm a, like one of these actors, you know, founder, investor, whatever, I'm hoping to take my, you know, startup community to the next level. I'm sensing that there's, I have a little bit of hierarchical structures. There's a little bit of permission. There's a patriarch problem. How as an individual, how do I start to break that down and kind of help move my community to this more of a flatter network, more horizontal kind of organized? Well, I think it comes down to humility. Um, and it comes down to really understanding what it is that you're trying to achieve and what you're about. Um, you have to have faith in the entrepreneurs um, who are out there day to day at tremendous personal and financial risk. Um, building these businesses that they that they understand their market better than you do and it's really about being in service to them and so this goes back to a theme that we've talked about a lot which is engagement um so many of these patriarchs or these gatekeepers um really have limited to no connections with actual entrepreneurs in their community people who are actively building businesses and if they just open up those pathways a little bit um what they'll find is that the the true needs of the community are different than those that they have assumed were the priorities. And so just opening that simple channel, it's really about the stance, right? Why am I doing this? Who is this all about? Um, and how can I be more uh, open to receiving uh, the information um, about uh, the thing I'm trying to improve, which is the startup community, and being making sure that the things we're doing are more relevant in service of that ultimate customer, which is the entrepreneur. We've been talking to Ian Hathaway, co-author of The Startup Community Way, and a longtime researcher and writer about entrepreneurship, about networks versus hierarchical community structures. Now let's bring in a couple guests who are startup community leaders themselves and get their take on embracing a network mindset as a startup community leader, as well as share a few stories about their hometown. Hello, everyone. Today, we are really psyched to have Connor Murphy on the podcast. Uh, I met Connor a few years ago as he was finishing a stint as a Techstars MD, but his Techstars gig is not even half or the best part about Connor. Um, I'm telling you guys, this guy is smart, passionate, has a ton of enthusiasm. He is what I call an alternative thinker. And best of all, not afraid to share his thoughts. So we're going to hear some great stuff today. Connor has lived in Boston, New York City, Philadelphia, D.C., Maine, London, Copenhagen, Jamaica, Dubai, Berlin. Uh, today he lives in Dublin with his wife and three daughters. So what is what is kind of what is a network, especially as a as opposed to a hierarchy? You know, it's a phrase we use in TechStars: network over hierarchy. What does that mean to you? For me, networks is how I think, it's how I learn, it's how I interact with the world. I've built three businesses and now building my third business in the network space. Um, and then joining Techstars was such a natural home for me as well, being the worldwide network that helps entrepreneurs succeed. And for me, networks has always been my go-to to solve any problem. Anytime I've won in life is because of networks. Anytime I've failed in life is because of lack of access to networks more than anything else. Uh, as a geographer and a cartographer, right? Roads are networks and kind of uh, there's interesting pieces there. When, when you've come across these communities that you lived in and you've been in the kind of the startup community or the entrepreneurial ecosystem, 
you know, do you view, do you see some, some organizations, some communities and ecosystems as more networky and some more hierarchical? Can you visualize that? Can you feel that when you visited some of these places? Yeah, I think so. Like, um, you know, I graduated around, you know, when social networks were taking off and, you know, Bebo and all of that kind of stuff. And before that, you know, it was very hard to get access information. Like, so I compared it to my first startup in 2000, 2001, and it was very hierarchical in Ireland and, and the geographies, you know, around Europe. And you could begin to just leverage one massive network, the internet, to start getting access to blog information and to get access to what it was to raise capital and to organize a company, all that kind of stuff. So it was not true individuals and there's no way to find your tribe and find your place in your tribe. Um, whereas I think that was true for everywhere outside the major ecosystems, probably like Silicon Valley. And that, you know, I would have been aware of Silicon Valley, but you know, I wouldn't have known anyone there or how to get access to that. So I think that's probably changed. That was true university, whether it was in Ireland, UK, whether it was in Jamaica or wherever I was or, or Berlin, but every year that difference between that kind of hub and that kind of the rest of the world place used to mean geography uh, to me and it used to mean like a city whereas now I think geography is kind of less and less a factor and places in your community where I could you know like for example in Bridge one of our colleagues is in Venezuela another colleague is in Indonesia and in the Philippines and in the morning I can be chatting to an amazing founder in Venezuela an investor in Australia and a mentor in Berlin um, so for me, that's been the biggest change over all of these places. They now have more access to the opportunity and the learnings and the networks um, than you know, compared to 20 years ago when I really started my career. Yeah, I can't wait to dive a little bit more into Bridge and some of the things you're doing and, and what you're, what, you know, kind of how that kind of facilitate, you know, better networks. I, I, I'd love for you to kind of walk through kind of your mindset. So as a computer scientist and you think about networks and structures, right, maybe as a natural thing, but as someone involved in the community as either an investor or as an entrepreneur, how does, how does a network help you or help one? Um, and, and what does that mean in terms of kind of developing a network? And, and why is that mindset of a network versus a hierarchical structure? How has that been critical to you? Yeah, so like, let me just, just network mindset and contrast it against the hierarchical mindset, I suppose, and both of them, I think networks are brilliant for experimentation and searching. So I would say I'm naturally more of a zero to one who likes to build and figure stuff out and learning. And networks are brilliant for that experimentation and searching phase. And if you look at Steve Blank, who talks about startups, he has a great you know, definition of startups where he talks about uh, their temporary organizations designed for searching for a scalable and repeatable business model. So networks are really great for that because even if you were to search, you know, you don't know where you're starting. You've got to start at some random points. And if you start in the wrong point in a hierarchy, you're kind of trapped. You can only go up or down to that hierarchy. Whereas with a network, it's naturally brilliant for when you have an open-ended, inefficient search problem to solve. It's more serendipity. It's more randomness. And, and that for me is just really exciting and, and never, never has, has never in my life felt like work when I'm in those scenarios. So I'm kind of new, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm maybe not a founder or an investor, but I want to help my entrepreneurial ecosystem. I'm, I'm working in economic development or at a chamber of commerce, I'm in Budapest or Fort Wayne, Indiana. I want to get involved. I'm hearing you and I'm trying to adopt a more kind of network mindset. What do I do tomorrow? You get onto Google, you get onto Facebook, you get onto one of these tools and you start searching for things like startup community events in your area. Um, I know I personally started with a thing called Open Coffee. Uh, I know there was an Open Coffee in Cork and I was a student, I was nervous, I wasn't confident, uh, but I went along. They had these bar camps as well. I don't know how, like I'm not involved in these areas as much as I probably I should be, um, but they were kind of my, 
my entry level emerging ecosystem, just meeting other people, hearing people talk, um, just made it feel like you're not on your own. I think the secret to the entrepreneurial tribe is that it's, it's pretty flat. It's not hierarchical in its nature. We're all kind of instigators and troublemakers and curious people. And so for those who are wanting to kind of get involved in the startup community and maybe have grown up in other more institutional or hierarchical means, you know, what you're saying is, hey, listen, uh, change your mindset. And by the way, jump into the pool. The water's really warm. It's friendly. And it's an amazing experience. I think it's a bias growing up in Ireland because literally everybody in Ireland is all connected to each other. We're so small. It's like a little village in the West of Europe. Like we talked about Iceland and other countries. You grow up presuming everybody knows everyone. So you kind of grow up naturally in this network environment. I remember landing in London or landing in New York and still having that naivety. We're presuming that the guy working in the subway in the deli sandwich, I start chatting to him and he's like, sir, move out of the way. You know what I mean? We got <laughs> next is coming through. But you, 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 once you hit, it's like battleship that game where you're like D4, D4 and you get this hit and you get this match. It's this dopamine explosion in your head as a connector. And you just, that's what you're looking for. That's the like, that's the dopamine hit. And then um, if your brain is wired that way, um, you never forget that emotional connection because memories are tied to emotions as well. So it's a really great way to uh, just remember your network as well and remember the stories around them and the, the emotions you have. Um, so getting those interesting people into the same room, sparks are flying. And that's where the magic happens. That's the problem with networks. They don't get the credit necessarily that they deserve because they're kind of intangible and hidden. And that's kind of part of our personal mission. You know, it's the interactions between the networks is where the magic is, but it's never really tracked or understood. And that's something we think is hugely exciting because then if you can recognize and celebrate, you know, and show people, a lot of people are on, on probably listening to this very data-driven, very tactical, very like, what can I do tangibly? Whereas you're like, okay, I'm going to get off the couch. I'm going to go to this networking event. And nothing might happen, but nothing might happen today, but it might happen 10 years from now. Um, and only looking back, can you see that? So if we can unlock maybe with, you know, sort of our mission, what we're doing with Bridge, we can help collaborate, connect the dots going back and also celebrate them. We can shine a light on all of this amazing stuff that we know is happening. We all know it's happening, but we can't prove it. We can't measure it. We can't feel it. We can't weigh it. If we can begin to even just show, do a little bit of piece of that. I think it can suddenly give networks the Jew that they're, that, you know, that, that it can really show the impact that they've had on all of our lives. So Rebecca's joined us today to talk about startup communities and entrepreneurial ecosystems. And now we'd like to talk about kind of network communities or, or communities based on a network versus kind of more of a hierarchical or traditional structures. I'm happy to geek out on this topic with you, particularly because I've spent time in both kinds of systems. I've worked within hierarchies, including academia, sort of manufacturing and industrial environments, and certainly government. I know what that feels like, uh, and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, I personally vastly prefer uh, complex networks. Yeah, um, I'll share an anecdote with you that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of advanced age and grew up in very structured environments. You know, I worked for the US government at a grad school. I worked for a $6 billion company. Um, so I kind of share those kind of hierarchies, if you will, and very structured environments until I broke free. Um, but it wasn't until pretty late in life that I really start to understand how a kind of a view of life through a network. And literally, I think of nodes and links and, and just increasing nodes every time. And, and, and it was, it was uh, 09 when I was talking to Brad and, and uh, Cohen was telling me how you run an accelerator and Brad was formative stages of, of what a community is. And he said, Chris, uh, 
just go out and talk to as many people as possible, connect mm -hmm. and then help them, which we now call give first. Right. And, uh, over the course of about five or six months, I met with 275 people, four or five a day, coffee, end of day beers, lunches, whatever it took. I felt like I've just learned something magical. My whole world opened up to me. And uh, I spend parts of every day connecting with new people and just listening to their stories. And, you know, some of them are going to be our new best friends and some of them, you know, mm -hmm. may fade, but they'll come back. So um, talk about how did you develop kind of this network mindset, especially right. like me having grown up in a in more traditional structures. Now, I love the way you describe that and absolutely share your motivation. And I think it really is important to look deeply at the motivations that animate these systems, right? And having come up through more hierarchical organizations, a couple of the experiences that I had would include being micromanaged. You know, that doesn't feel great, but these are in sort of command and control environments where safety and adherence to a specific process is really important. I get it, it's not my favorite, but I will tell you what I have found to be the most dangerous element of hierarchies is the motivation to have proximity to power. And I, you may see this as a re recovering government official yourself, but in positions where elected officers have this referent authority uh, and have the opportunity to appoint others, it becomes a bit more of a finite game and a power grab. And if that's what motivates the people within a system, that does not engender fluidity, that does not engender give first, that doesn't create the perpetual motion machine that I think uh, is again, an artifact of a really healthy startup ecosystem. There's reasons why hierarchical, you know, why governments and billion dollar companies have to run in a more hierarchical fashion. Um, but startup communities don't fit that. Why does the illusion of control, why does that break a startup or a startup community? Yeah, so if we start from a belief that good ideas come from anywhere, and you know, so many people have said it better than I, uh, Van Jones has described that talent is equally distributed and opportunity is not. You know, to have an open network system allows for you know, this sort of porous membrane for people to enter and exit and refresh. I found being in Seattle and in the startup community, and what I would consider you know, kind of coming out of the days of being stuck and stable with only a couple of angel organizations and a couple of venture capitalists and a couple of support organizations, instead of being a mesh network where there were these many to many connections, there were a few founding fathers, and I use that uh, intentionally, you know, old white dudes who served as gatekeepers, whether it was gatekeepers to investment, gatekeepers to jobs, had a bit of an attitude of, I had to work, walk uphill in the snow both ways to school and so should you. There's a right. little bit of bitterness <laughs> around that. Um, you know, they, they represent power and opportunity. And unless or until you start to get the flywheel going and get a critical mass of entrepreneurs who have become successful and they know that their success was based on getting help from others and they achieve some success and wealth and want nothing more than to give back 
for the sake of giving back and being part of this flywheel, that's when you can shift away from a patriarchal uh, illusion of control. So uh, every community has some of that. I'm sure there's still leftover vestiges of that, even in Seattle, which is at you know very mature community stage. Um, for those who are kind of just kind of getting their community started, what what are some pieces of advice you might give to some of those leaders that, uh, especially you know, as a woman, a person of color, you know, who was an entrepreneur, not maybe an executive at a at a bank or something that are the typical power brokers of a small community, how do you start to kind of either break that hierarchy or create the network and get others to kind of follow in your stead? Mm -hmm. Now, as I look at the evolution of our community and it certainly is vibrant and we certainly have achieved critical mass, I think one thought trap that we can fall into is focusing exclusively on the ingredients and sort of check marking. It's like, oh, we have this university institution. Oh, I've got the requisite number of angel groups or co-working spaces or unicorn status startups. That's all well and good, but it's, it's necessary, but not sufficient to, I think, really growing the pie and creating that dynamic vibrancy that, that I'd like to think we, we are striving for. Um, you know, one thing is as we go into community building, not only do I think the startup community way is helpful, but there's this really great article that I'll share with you. Alex Danko just wrote about the Canadian ecosystem and why it's broken. And the way he framed it is around people who play a finite game which has an endpoint with a specific goal of winning. And those of us who play the infinite game, where our goal is to keep playing the game and not to trivialize the incredibly hard work that is startup and all the associated you know, leaders and feeders into that community. But once you get that critical mass of folks who buy into the infinite game, that's when the magic really happens. Uh, that was awesome. Um, I mean, just simply awesome. So we've talked about kind of how the network starts to come together, the convening, right? One-on-ones, one-to-few, one-to-many, creating um, the environments by which people just start to connect on their own. And that becomes this flywheel that just kind of explodes over time. I kind of think that's kind of the structure, but the juice is give first. Just knowing that we all got here with help from others. And it's so incredibly satisfying to start to spread some of that goodness that you have already benefited from. It starts and ends there. And then over time, it will come back to you. You know, maybe it comes back to you because, you know, in my case, I've been a mentor for Techstars since we launched in Seattle in 2010 and have gotten to see some amazing entrepreneurs on their journey. And, you know, 11, 12 years later, Unicorn CEOs will take my call. So in a way, my network is always giving back. They're there, they show up for me in a way that I hope I've always shown up for them. That's what animates tech stars. And I think that is an incredibly important ingredient in a successful startup community. Talked about networks, talk about the importance of them. We talked about how to kind of create them. It doesn't cost any money. It's something you can do tomorrow. And I say, I now deputized the hundred of you sitting in this room to go out and introduce two people together and just start forming connections. You know, if, if 
I had one piece of advice, it's to really take stock of your assets. You know, like, I don't know if you've seen The Princess Bride, but it's like, all right, do we have a cloak of invisibility? Yes, we do. Let's go use that. So take a good hard look in the mirror. Ask yourself what your assets are. Your assets can be your time. Your assets can be your voice. Maybe you have money. Maybe you have hiring authority. So there are people who are in positions of power and authority who can send the wire and make the hire, you know, and be part of making substantive change in terms of representation in the community. And for the rest of us, we have our time, we have our voice, we have our experience. Even if we think we're not far enough along or successful enough to be a mentor or part of a support system for others, think again. Um, we can always share our experience in being a mentor or being an instructor. Uh, I always get better at my subject matter when I have to explain it to others. It's an amazing forcing function. So just by showing up and being part of a support network or being a mentor, you will get better yourself. And I guarantee the people in the room with you, when you show up with that motivation and intention, will also benefit. Well, the good news is I'm only mostly dead. Uh, speaking of Princess Bride <laughs> references, uh, um, Rebecca, thank you so much for, for weighing in on your experiences around networks and breaking down hierarchies and building communities. We've just heard from two community builders, Rebecca Lovell from Seattle, Washington, and Connor Murphy of Dublin, Ireland, about network versus hierarchy what that means to them and the ways in which they help drive startup community growth in their communities. Now let's bring in Brad to bring us home and share his final thoughts. Brad, we're talking today about kind of the network versus hierarchical kind of approach or mindset you take to being a startup uh, community leader. Juxtapose the two for me in your mind. There's a foundational difference between approaching things as a hierarchy versus a network. And I would say even 20 years ago, if somebody said, let's take a network approach to this, most people wouldn't really necessarily know what you're talking about. Uh, what's changed, of course, is that our uh, phenomena that we refer to as social networks, you know, sort of Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and on and on and on, really created this network model where you didn't have uh, a, a barrier between people interacting with each other. And in a hierarchy, if you think about the origin of hierarchies uh, going back to you know, the beginning of time, right? Militaries are hierarchies, religions are hierarchies, many societies and governments are hierarchies. Um, in business, hierarchies really emerged in the Industrial Revolution in the 1800s as a way to organize labor and to try to create more efficiency around labor. And that's a really foundational point. If you fast forward to the 2020s, hierarchies still exist everywhere, including in business. But because of uh, whether you want to call it the internet or information technology or communication technology or innovation, the need to organize labor through manual processes has been greatly diminished. And it's well understood that um, going across hierarchical boundaries within organizations can be very powerful. Today, we have that across everything we do, everywhere globally. Um, and you know, this conversation we're having today is a perfect example of that. 
right? We didn't have to get together. We're communicating with lots of people who we don't have any control over. Whoever wants to listen to this can. The cost of producing this is almost zero. Dot, 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 dot. If you take that hierarchical worldview and try to impose it on a startup community, nothing will happen. And in the first startup communities books book in 2012, I spent a lot of time talking about the difference between a hierarchical model and a network model and tried to use the network model approach to reinforce the importance of bottom-up behavior within a startup community, cutting across boundaries, eliminating control so that there weren't actors in the startup community, especially feeder organizations who are trying to enforce a hierarchy as a proxy for control, and also sort of on the dimension of inclusivity, where if you have a network-based approach, your power in that network increases, not just because of the people you're connected to, but the value of the information you're communicating. So if you think about a network and you think about each individual person in the startup community as a node on the network, the node gets bigger because of the product of two things, two things multiplied together. One, the number of connections you have. And the second is the value of information that travels between those connections. If you have zillions of connections, but there's no value of information flowing, your node is very small. If you have only a few connections, but incredibly high value across the connections, your node is small. The real power comes from people who have an increasing amount of connections, but high value that travels across them. It was really interesting uh, that we're at this point because in the podcast, uh, Connor Murphy talked about getting trapped in a hierarchical system as a founder. And as a founder who's looking for access to all the things you just mentioned, information, capital, resources, whatever, um, if you think about if they're stuck in a, you know, just a hierarchical system just creates right friction points and boundaries and, and contains the potential of what we're trying to grow, right? I mean, this bring it right down to founder. Very much. And um, I think it, it cycles back to the way that lots of companies get started in the same way that lots of startup communities grow and develop is that um, you don't have a preconceived structure for the company when you start. You're a founder. You know, there might be a couple of you that are putting together an idea or a company. But at that moment, at that inception, um, you're really leveraging your network, not a hierarchy. You're looking to people who can help you, who can give you response and feedback and thoughts. And that comes back to the power of this network model. Uh, in addition, you can cut across boundaries. I said that earlier, but I'll just reinforce it. You don't have to live within the organization when you're a network. For those that are listening that have been kind of spent more time in a hierarchical structured organization who's buying into this theory and, and want to go help their startup community, what are some of the first things, you know, what, what is a, a seed that you'd love to plant or inject in their brain to say, all right, here's, here's the first thing you can do? Two important things to recognize. One is that uh, some people need a hierarchy to function effectively, and that's okay. So there's no, again, judgment on whether or not you are more comfortable in a hierarchical environment or a network environment. If you're part of a hierarchical organization, however, and you're trying to engage with a startup community, 
The important thing to recognize is that the cultural norms in your hierarchical organization, that could be government, it could be university, um, could be a large company, could be a nonprofit that supports entrepreneurship. Um, that hierarchy that exists in your organization, its natural cultural norms is going to be to enforce its hierarchy on other things. Now, the word organization has the word organize in it, and hierarchies like to organize things. And so you're naturally in the zone where you're trying to organize what's going on around you. However, the essence of the startup community is it's a very chaotic, ever-evolving, complex system uh, that is a network. And so it's impossible to effectively organize it. So if you're in that hierarchical organization, step one is recognize that is the DNA of the organization you're in. And part of what you're doing as someone engaging with the startup community is you're being the bridge to the network from the hierarchy. It's actually a really critical role of instigators, which is when they're in a, a feeder organization, but they engage with the startup community, it's to be able to shift between the norms of a hierarchical organization and the norms of a network organization. The second is that most hierarchical organizations operate from the top down. Most projects operate from the top down. Most control is from the top down. Not always, but most. And you know, the best hierarchical organizations give some latitude to people in them to come up with things from the bottom up. But that's them giving latitude versus that being the primary operating motion of the organization. In networks, it has to be bottom up. The phenomena has to be emergent. Again, another word from complex system. Because as you try to control it from the top down, you create a, a very powerful stifling dynamic. It's very limiting. The person who is at the top of the hierarchy has a view for what needs to happen. And that gets promoted down the organization. It doesn't have to be the person at the very top of the hierarchy, but whatever the starting point of that promulgating downward is. In something that's evolving rapidly and changing, that top-down view creates a lot of constraints and structure and boundaries about what can emerge. If it's bottom-up, you don't have those constraints a priori. And so in the context of entrepreneurship or innovation or you know, the evolution of anything, uh, you have many, many more degrees of freedom as to where things can go. When you're trying to have something that is uh, a network expand and evolve, in a lot of ways, you cannot predict what the next thing is that is going to happen in that network as it expands and evolves. And as a result of not knowing what that next thing is, the more you try to impose where it should go from the top down, the worse you are. In this episode of Your Startup Community, we have unpacked the notion of embracing a network mindset and approach with your actions versus creating or supporting a traditional hierarchical approach and discuss what it means to a growing startup community. Rebecca Lovell shared with us playing the finite game versus the infinite game and how an open network system allows for a porous membrane for people to enter and exit and refresh. Connor Murphy shared his experience in so many cities and how networks have unlocked everything he is today, and why his new app, Bridge, is trying to help all of us get better at creating and managing our network. Until next time, I am Chris Hively, your host of Your Startup Community.